The scripture reading today is Psalms 103, verses 1 through 5. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. It's so good to be with you this morning. What a glorious day to gather together with fellow believers to worship, encourage one another, to love and good works. Cindy and I are so grateful to be with you, have this opportunity to renew our fellowship with you. We were here in March and we had such a wonderful time together. We're so glad that you continue to grow despite untoward circumstances, and we're here to rejoice with you in the common salvation that we do have in the Lord. Our text this morning has begun for us is Psalm 103, Psalm 103. We're going to be looking at God's inspired hymnal this morning. I love the Psalms as I study them I get so much more out of them. They are so complex. They are as complex as life. And they speak to our needs and they encourage us and give us a means whereby we can ourselves express our thoughts, our feelings, our needs, our thanksgiving to the Lord. So join with me this morning. You're going to help me as we study this psalm. So be ready, and we'll encourage one another. See if I can figure out. Which way does this advance? Let's see. That's okay. We're warmed up. All right. It's a hymn of praise and thanksgiving. How do, you, how do you express, give thanks to the one who's done everything for you? How do you find the words? One way is singing this psalm that God has given to us. As we know, song worship is a vital part of our assemblies, even our individual lives. It rekindles our faith. It renews our hope. It reminds us again of how God loves us. So it's no surprise that David opens and ends this particular song of thankful praise with, Bless the Lord, O my soul. This hymn celebrates the abundant goodness and love of the Lord for his people. It recalls that Israel's survival was due to the goodness and love of the Lord for his people. 
And it begins and ends with the, the individual exhorting themselves as worshipers to bless the Lord. It goes on to list benefits that we should not forget, that we should recall. And the crowning benefit of God's enduring love is to the descendants of the faithful. And this leads the worshiper to call on all creation and heavenly hosts to join in in blessing the Lord. So as Christians, we can join in this psalm in the joy of it as we celebrate how the biblical account is fulfilled in Christ. God's greatness and his goodness toward his people is displayed even in, in its fullness and its greatness as we look back on God's revealed word. So it's fitting then that we consider giving thanks through this song. And so we're going to begin by doing so. Bless the Lord, O my soul. We're going to begin by singing the melody, join me with the tune, and then we'll add the parts. Do so bless the Lord, O oh my soul, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, bless the Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are so thankful for your love and mercy and kindness toward us. We give you thanks. We bless you. You who heals all our soul's diseases, whose steadfast love is abundant toward us, help us to keep your word, to celebrate the joy that we have in it, to cling to you through Jesus Christ, our blessed Lord and Savior. In his name we pray, amen. It's a psalm that begins with personal thanks and praise. I'll begin reading in verse one. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in within me, Bless his holy day. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, 
who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Each worshiper urges himself to speak well, that is to bless, to speak well of the Lord for his abundant mercy and generosity. And it's more than just words that are expressed. It comes from a, the fullness of the heart. We are to praise the Lord with everything we have. What reason is stated for this? Bless his holy name. We cannot properly thank God until we have the correct attitude of reverence for him. And this is true of prayer, as our Lord taught us in Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse 9. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And a crucial step in blessing the Lord is to constantly remember the benefits that have been listed. This is necessary to bring the worshiper into the correct attitude. Even the smallest and simplest of God's expression show his constant love and that he deserves our genuine <laughs> praise and appreciation. David lifts five great blessings. Forgives all your iniquity, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, and satisfies you with good. And these benefits express all of God's steadfast love and mercy. In verse 11, it says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. In verse 17, But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. This recalls the Lord's, Yahweh's, the Lord God's description of himself and his name back in Exodus, the 34th chapter at verse 6. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. What a magnificent description of God, his character, his nature. Forgives iniquity and heals diseases could be seen as parallel statements. They refer to the restoring of the moral and spiritual health and life. And Isaiah foretells of the Messiah, God's suffering servant, as accomplishing this for us. In Isaiah 53 at verse 5, But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Peter echoes the prophet, as you have studied already in 1 Peter 2 at 24. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, 
so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his stripes, you are healed. You are healed. Redeems is to rescue or save from destruction or the grave. This is well described in Psalm 88 at verse 3. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol, the grave, the realm of the dead. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength. Like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave. What is the result of these blessings? What is the outcome? For us, your youth is renewed like the eagles. The eagle is an emblem of strength, of vitality, of youthful endurance. This is well described by Isaiah, this renewal that we have in the Lord. Isaiah 40 at verse 30, even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted, but Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's speak of that renewal that we have in the Lord. There is none like him, none can compare. No God is equal, no prince is heir. Lift up your eyes and see his great might. Soar like an eagle on wings of flight. Some will go weary, send them pursue. Servants of God, to sing the portion of Psalm 103 that we've studied. We're going to use these words to the tune of higher ground.
Now we look at national thanks and praise. The list of benefits shifts to a survey of how God dealt with his people as a whole in spite of their sin and their rebellion. Let's read in verse 6 of our text. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He deals, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children and to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. God provides his blessing for all who are oppressed. And one of the ways he does that, of course, is his revelation, as he did through Moses. And also, his mighty acts that were witnessed by his people, beginning with their deliverance from bondage. Verses 8 through 13 are based on Exodus 34, 6, which we have seen as the Old Testament's fundamental confession of God's character. In verse 8, David reveals four great attributes of God. He's merciful. He cares. He's gracious. He is kind. He's slow to anger. He's patient. He's abounding in steadfast love. He faithfully loves. That's covenant love. The terms sin, iniquity, and transgression are the names of what God forgives. Again, Exodus 34 at verse 7, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. They all designate the same actions, but from a different point of view, different phases and qualities of sin, iniquities are all sin of every sort that is deviation from a standard to which we ought to be conformed. Transgressions are every sin. Is it apostasy from or rebellion against God, the lawgiver? It's sin. It misses the goal for which we should 
aim. It always misses. Also, steadfast love and shows compassion reveal that this is an application again of Exodus 34 at verse 6. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. God has not dealt with his people according to what they deserve. And neither has he done so for us. Paul describes God's mercy in Ephesians, the second chapter, verse 6, or verse 4, rather. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Three comparisons of God's love are listed in verses 11 through 13. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, how high is that? Well, the space between heaven and earth. As far as the east is from the west, the distance between east and west, what is that? As a father shows compassion to his children, the love of parents for their children. These are comparisons of the kindness and love of God toward his people. They show its abundance. So great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. They show its decisiveness. So far does he remove our transgressions from us. They show its enduring quality. So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Let's continue singing in the psalm. Again, to the tune of higher ground. No To Moses he made known his ways, and Israel saw his love and grace. He does not keep his anger long, nor hold our crimes before his face. As high as heaven is from the earth, so Verses 14 through 16 remind us of our physical nature. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. These verses describe the brevity of life, 
our finiteness and how we were formed. David looks back to Genesis, the second chapter, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. Solomon said the same in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 7. And the dust returns to the earth as it was. And the spirit to God who gave it. What is God's perspective on this? What does he feel about that? He knows our frame. He remembers we are dust. Like that old song, dust in the wind. We are dust in the wind. Our physical nature is that. He knows that. He recognizes that. He remembers. And so he is patient with his people. <clears throat> then the psalm reaches its climax in verses 15 through 18. Reading from that text. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But here's the contrast. Here's the climax. The steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. So in contrast to the shortness of human life, God's steadfast love for his faithful is everlasting. You can count on it. His mercy overlaps from one generation to the next. And he bestows on them the privilege of nurturing those who will be his people in coming generations. Who does God make his abundant mercy available to? On those who fear him. To those who keep his covenant. Who remember to do his commandments. This refers to the faithful who believe God's promises and obey his commands. The fact of God's mercy then should cause us to seek his commandments and respond to them with love. As the Apostle John tells us in 1 John 5 at verse 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. This is the crowning privilege that we have in Christ. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting and those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. Oh, that's so encouraging. Though our lives are short, 
and appear almost insignificant. Fifty years after we're gone, who will remember? But in the Lord, our lives may still contribute to the future well-being of the people of God. We do this by our godly and prayerful parenting and grandparenting. What joy we have in knowing that our children and our grandchildren are in the Lord. What comfort that brings to us. Let's sing what we have talked about. This time, we're going to use the tune, We Saw Thee Not. Oh, our Father goes, our mortal frame, our days are fleeting like the Let's sing about the steadfast love of the Lord. we turn to heavenly thanks and praise as we conclude the psalm beginning in verse 19 the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all bless the Lord O you his angels you mighty ones who do his word obeying the voice of his word 
Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. It's interesting to note that the worshiper, we as individual worshipers, call on angels and mighty ones who obey. And then we call on all the hosts and ministers who do his will. What about us? The Lord's kingdom is universal over all creation. He's always had a kingdom because he's always ruled. God is sovereign, but he allows his creation a choice. And not all choose to embrace his rule and his benefits toward his people. God offers this to all who would be his people. In the Old Testament, it was for those who would seek the God of the kingdom of Israel. In the New Testament, it's for those who seek the Lord and be in his church and his body. Special benefits are for those who are in God's kingdom. And it's a kingdom that the world does not have. After listing all these benefits, the worshiper calls on various creatures to join in blessing the Lord. Who's included in this call? What is the progression of this call? Well, regarding the whole psalm, David constructs a circle of praise which evidently is not showing up for us. But in that praise, if you would imagine in the center, it's bless the Lord. And it begins in verse 1 with bless the Lord, O my soul. Then the people join in, the people of Israel in verse 6. And they're followed by the heavenly hosts of the creation in verse 19. And then as you go around the circle, it goes back to the very beginning. Oh, my soul. Angels, the sun, the moon, the planets, and everything created are called to praise their creator. And the overflow of the goodness and the steadfast love of the Lord reveals and compels his people to call on angels and all natures to join in the celebration. The song closes with the worshiper returning to urge his own soul to bless the Lord. But now, it's with much deeper appreciation and much more praise and admiration than before. Let's finish the psalm. Again, we saw thee not. 
Are you one of God's worshipers? Has he forgiven all your iniquities? Has he healed all your soul's diseases? Can you honestly proclaim, bless the Lord, O my soul? Do you have the joy of salvation based on God's word. You can become a true worshiper of God by expressing faithful obedience and being baptized in water for the forgiveness of your sins. And having done that, you can repent and ask for prayers that you would be renewed in your worship in spirit and in truth. Christ waits with open arms to those who would come through him to God the Father. This morning, if you have needs that need to be met and we can assist you with, we invite you to come forward. Let the good people here know of your need. And we're willing and able through the Lord Jesus to help you with that. Let's be standing. We're going to sing a song of thankfulness, saying, Thank you, Lord for all that you've done. 